My friends, tomorrow, as you know, our country will pause. We will honor a man with a dream. We will honor Martin Luther King Jr., who dreamed of a day when we will not be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. This is a beautiful dream, a dream we continue to pursue. I, too, have a dream. I dream of a day without any kind of division, black, white, rich, poor, Republican, Democrat. I have a dream of a day without masks and online schooling, a day without quarantining and social distancing, a day without anything that separates us from each other. I have a dream of a day without loneliness, without depression, a day without addiction and suicide, a day without homelessness and hunger, a day without infertility, miscarriages, abortion, contraception, capital punishment, sex trafficking, a day without hopelessness, a day without faithlessness, a day without indifference. I have a dream of a day when we will come to know that God does not love us because we are good. He loves us because he is good. I dream of a day in which we will all embrace the reality that we are loved, that we are beloved, that we are loved unconditionally, totally, even unto death. A day in which we will see one another as children of God and heirs to the kingdom heirs to true peace and everlasting joy. My friends, I do have this dream. And as the Lord called out to Samuel as he slept, no doubt as he dreamed in today's first reading, and as the Lord called out to John the, ba John the Baptist's disciples as they were living the dream, as they were fishing with their buddies, making a living, he calls out to all of us gathered here together who every last one of us have our own dreams. It's fitting, I think, that after completing our journeys through Advent and Christmas, through these extraordinary times in which we meditated on the reality that God's love caused him to pursue us into his own creation, to pursue us into our very nature, this extraordinary time in which we meditated like last Sunday on the reality that God was not done in his pursuit. His love, his infinite desire for you and me caused him to literally pursue us into our very soul, making a dwelling there for him. It is fitting then that as we celebrate the extraordinary solemnity of the Epiphany a couple Sundays ago, this unveiling of Christ, that the unveiling continues in these ordinary times. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God, my friends, this is no dream. It is a beautiful reality. And it is being fulfilled today right here, most especially in this Holy Mass. First reading from 1 Samuel, over and over again, the Lord called out to Samuel, over and over again, Samuel misunderstood this call because Samuel was not familiar with the Lord. And because the Lord had not revealed anything to him as yet. Well, my friends, revelation is over. 
Revelation is over. God has been completely and perfectly revealed in the divine person of Jesus Christ, God made man. He's been revealed as a God who seeks. He's been revealed as a God who speaks. He seeks and he speaks to a people who are called to turn to him and to listen, to listen. In the Gospel, John the Baptist spoke to Andrew and the other disciple, we know him to be John, and says, Behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist simply pointed them to Jesus, and they immediately, immediately followed him. Their world, our world, frankly, was forever changed. Jesus asked them a profound question, a very, very important question. What are you looking for? The infinite God asks each of us this same question. And he wants us to respond with the only infinite thing that we have, our capacity to love and our infinite desire for him. It is literally built into our nature. What are you looking for? They were dumbfounded. They were unable to respond rightly, so they simply asked another question, where are you saying? They saw the answer to the what that they were looking for was actually a who. A who. They were looking for God, and they had found him, encountered him in the person of Jesus Christ, and they desired to enter into the relationship that he had desired with them. But it was also a where. They asked, where are you staying? That is what draws us here. That is what draws us here to this physical place, to this holy mass. Jesus is here in a way he is nowhere else. He's here in the sacraments. He's here in the word. He is here, of course, in this beautiful community of faith. And he is here in your broken priests. Bishop Barron speaks so beautifully in this uh, month's Magnificat about this encounter. He said they want to know where Jesus is staying. They want to know where he remains, from where he draws his life. And they stay with him, and they come to realize that Jesus, like all of us, draw our life from the Father, and that we are called to remain in him as he remains in us. And we are called to come and see to come and see. Jesus asks what they are looking for, and they discover not only the who they've been looking for and the where he is, but also the why he came. He came to heal us. He came to heal us. He came to help us uh, escape this cycle of sin that we're in. He came to give us true and everlasting peace and joy and eternal happiness. Come and see. This is what the journey these past weeks, this is what our journey, our spiritual journey, is always about. It's about better discovering who he is so he can reveal to us who we are. My friends, we are called. Each of us are called by God to him. We are asked to share this incredible gift, this good news. God reaches out to us within our darkness. He is very determined. God simply wants us to turn to him, to open our hearts and our minds, and to listen. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. 
Too often, at least if you're anything like me, we only turn to the Lord when we need something, and we tend to do all the talking. It's as if we say, listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. But we are called to listen, and to, like the psalmist, seek his will, not our own. Here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. We offer ears open to obedience. Oftentimes, he calls us through others. Eli helped Samuel understand and respond to God's call. John the Baptist brought Andrew and brought John to Jesus. And then once Andrew encountered the Lord, his joy could not be contained. It had to be shared. He shared it with his brother Simon, now called Peter. My friends, who are the Andrews in our lives? Who are we being called to be an Andrew to? What family member or friend or coworker or classmate has been running to us like Samuel to Eli crying for help? How will we respond to this invitation? How will we magnify the gift we have already received by allowing it to be planted in the heart and minds of another? My friends, I know this is intimidating, but it doesn't have to be complicated. For Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa says so beautifully, give yourself fully to God. He will use you to accomplish great things on the condition that you believe much more in his love than in your own weakness. This is in large part, I think, what the past weeks have all been about, helping us believe more in God's love than in our own weakness. This is my dream. I pray it is your dream too. Come and see, and may God be praised. Amen.